Are you an accountant looking to generate more revenue and secure your future success as automation and artificial intelligence revolutionize the accounting profession? If so, contact us at AFO Wealth Management Forward. We specialize in helping accountants and advisors just like you build a custom brand to pinpoint your optimal clientele, generate highly qualified leads through our data-driven digital marketing, and execute wealth management growth services to bring more value to your firm and your client's life. Our strategic approach to branding, marketing, and wealth management is carefully tailored to attract ideal clients, increase customer retention rates, and cultivate lasting relationships with clients across generations. Visit WealthManagementForward.com to book your free consultation to find out how you can elevate your practice. Recognizing that my emotional state is too charged for me to make a clear decision. Yeah. That recognition then says, time to reflect. The process of reflecting engages the cognitive brain. So what am I going to reflect on? Well, I'm going to reflect on, amongst other things, the things that matter to me most. In my case, uh, I talk, I reflect on my values, family, happiness, wisdom, integrity, service, health, Now, the process of reflecting on them forces me to think about them. And then I put words in front of them. And I say, love your family, be happy, seek wisdom, behave with integrity, do something of service for somebody else today, make healthy choices. And now my brain's engaged. Welcome to AFO Wealth Management Forward, a podcast about finance, accounting, technology, and entrepreneurship. We apply our decades worth of experience and insight into what makes businesses work so we can help others grow both personally and professionally. In this ever-evolving marketplace, we help accounting firms and financial advisors grow their practice through the adoption of holistic wealth management services. Learn from industry leaders and subject matter experts to unlock the secrets of their success a podcast that shows people and companies the transformative power of technology so they don't fear it, but instead harness it. Don't fight the robots, team up with them. And here are your hosts, Rory Henry, Director of Business Development and CEO Rob Santos of Arrowroot Family Office. Hello, everyone. I have another great guest joining me today. Uh, He is the CEO and co-founder of think to perform He's been recognized for his innovative approaches to developing higher-performing individuals and organizations. He's authored books such as Financial Intelligence and Moral Intelligence. I went through his Behavioral Financial Advisor program. I am super excited to have him on the show with us today. So without further ado, let me introduce our guest, Doug Lenick. Doug, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Rory. I, uh, I've been looking forward to this since you and I met recently and now i've had a couple i mean of we're like old chat. friends doug we just chatted <laughs> for 30 minutes and they had to cut us off and said we got meetings i said no i want to chat to doug more <laughs> so yeah. let's get started here can you give our audience a little bit of background on yourself and then what led you into this behavioral finance world well i started my career in the financial services industry way back in in the early 1970s i i uh, I'm aging as we all are <laughs> that are alive, but um, I was actually going to be an accountant. Uh, I had aspirations to be an accountant. Uh, and 
uh, while studying to become an accountant, I became an, uh, a client of a financial advisor. And, and that advisor helped me begin uh, my own investing behavior when I was 20 years old. And, and, and then he started to recruit me into the business. And, and I thought, I would like to do this. And so I looked into it and I started licensing. And my senior year at the University of Minnesota, I ended up starting my career as an advisor one quarter short of a degree in accounting. And I became wow. a financial advisor. I was 21 years old. Yeah. And what I experienced very early in my career is the, the role that emotions played mm -hmm. on my personal performance and be, my behavior and my performance and, and how emotions played a role in the behavior of, of clients and investors. And so I became interested really early yeah. In in two questions, one very broadly that led to think to perform, why do people do what they do? And then a more narrow question when it came to money, why do people do what they do with their money? Yeah. And and then related, why do otherwise smart people do dumb things with their money? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I started pondering those questions very early in my career and for the last 50 years i've been seeking the answers to those questions and behavioral financial advice became part of the solution part of the answer and let's talk about for audience what that is and i know this this kind of stat when i first went through the course doug it, it really um, stood out to me and you talked about performance really being a function of talent skill and decision making uh, and of those three, uh, decision-making has twice the impact on performance than the other two. So I think I have two questions there. <laughs> yeah, and that's true in every discipline, by the way. Yeah. That's true in sports. It's true in the military. It's true in academia. It's true in financial services. Pick your discipline. Talent, which is raw material, plus skills, which is learning to do something with that raw material plus decision-making, deciding how to use that talent and that skill, how to use it, when to use it, and to be able to do that really well. That's it. That's the formula. Yeah. All right, let's talk about then behavioral finance. So if you wanted to give the elevator pitch to what behavioral finance is, uh, can you do that for our audience? Sure. I mean, basically what we've come to recognize, and, and most, I'm sure probably, dang close, if not 100% of your listeners and viewers have been reading about, watching, hearing, whatever, on the topic of behavioral finance, that there is a role that emotions play in behavior, period. But there is a role emotions play in financial behavior. Now it's important for us to understand the answer to the question, why do people do what they do 
is a little complicated, but I'm going to try to make it profoundly simple. So one of the things, Rory, you and I have talked about is three levels of understanding, simple, complex, profoundly simple. So in an effort to make this profoundly simple and therefore useful, let me simply say this. The brain, the physical brain that fits within our skull is, is wired to avoid danger and it's wired to pursue opportunity. And the wiring is triggered by the emotions we experience when stimulated by some outside event. So something happens outside of ourselves. Our body, which is built to survive, right. will there's experience a sound in that bush on the there's a sound in that bush in the Serengeti. Say it again. There's a sound in that bush over there on the Serengeti, right? Yes. There's an animal potentially that is going to kill me. Correct. Correct. So, so the the brain is wired to pursue opportunity, avoid danger. The wiring is triggered by emotion. So you hear the you're out on the Serengeti, wherever you are, uh, and there's this sound and it startles you. And and then out of the brush comes a tiger. And now you're not just startled, you're in full fear. <laughs> you went yeah. from startled <laughs> to I'm scared. Right. <laughs> and now your body doesn't want you to think much about it. It says, Rory, Get out. you are in a life-threatening situation. Your emotions are telling you that. And, and what your emotions are saying is, it's time to make a decision. Do you want to fight with that tiger or do you want to run? Those are your choices. Now, from previous experience, you've noted that people who choose to fight with tigers lose. And so you choose to run unaware that the tiger is so much faster than you and you lose again. So you lose both cases. Uh, and that's the irrational response. That's your body responding to fear. Similarly, if coming out of the brush is a rabbit, you're now startled, but now you're like, ah, that could be dinner. Yeah. Now you feel totally different. You're not scared. You're kind of excited. Yeah. So your brain is wired to respond to what Alan Greenspan referred to as exuberance, but he labeled it irrational. You know, so you feel exuberant. Your behavior <laughs> is irrational because you can't think clearly. Yeah. Now, similarly, when you get scared, you're going to be irrationally fearful. Right. So that's the concept. And let's put this in the framework of the four R's, Doug, because that was something that really stuck with me as well. And really going from that emotional or that stimuli uh, of that first R, which is, and then recognizing, recognize. recognizing. So can we go through those four yeah, R's or recognize, sure. reflect, 
reframe and respond because I think that's a great framework just for anybody, whether you're an advisor or just a, a, a regular person. To By really... the way, I, I love how you do that. Do you want to come work for Think to Perform? <laughs> I got a space for a guy like you. <laughs> I like to Good. think and I sometimes perform. <laughs> <laughs> ah, when one leads to the other. Right. And that's that's it. And And that's the concept is we want people to think to perform we don't want them to e-motion. Yeah. We want them to e-think motion. And one of the tools we provide them is what we call the four R's. Uh, the four R's are a process of dealing with emotions mm -hmm. and with challenges. And the first R is to recognize. And, and what I'd like to share with everybody right now, an exercise that your viewers, listeners can begin practicing today. And if they begin today, it'll work today. <laughs> and we'll do it real quick because yeah. you're ready. Right. Ready? Yes. Freeze. All right. Here's the question, <laughs> Rory. What when I said freeze? Yes. What were you thinking? Oh, I'm like, oh shoot, Doug's gonna ask me a question after I unfreeze, and I'm gonna have to give a good response. My heartbeat, my heart started beating a little faster uh, and I knew it was coming. So that's what was going through my mind. And that so was you, what was going on in my body. Yeah, that was happening with that. So that's how you were. And emotionally, your sure. physical body, the heart rate started yeah. to pick up. Your mind was thinking, he's going to ask me something and I'm not sure how I'm going to answer that. So that's making me feel a little bit anxious yes. or, you know, and so three questions to everyone who plays the freeze game actually four questions but the first three are the recognition moment what am i thinking right now how am i feeling emotionally right now and what am i doing physically what's happening with me physically right now my heart is racing that's physically i am feeling a little anxious, anxious yeah, that's yeah. emotional I am thinking he's going to ask me a question. That's what my thought is. And then the final question is, could I be thinking and doing something better? You know, because <laughs> the first moment of recognition is just pay attention to ourselves. Yeah. Pay attention. Now, most people overestimate how much attention they pay to themselves. Most people are unaware how often their mind wanders. <laughs> they don't know. You know, I don't know if this ever happened to you, Rory. It has happened to me. I have read a book. I've gotten to the end of a chapter. <laughs> what did I just and, read? And, and I've asked myself that question. What, what did I just read? Think of that. Yeah. That's, that's me reading to myself and not paying attention. It's now you might now how many times do we have a conversation? I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation with somebody and at some point it occurs to you, I am not listening. I'm not, I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking about something. myself. Yes. It's, yeah. I'm always so, fascinated by the spotlight effect. Yes. So this one thing, if if everyone who is listening now, everyone who is watching us now. If all you do is practice the freeze game multiple times a day, 
honest to goodness, it will change your life. Yeah. Because what will happen is you will begin to realize I get to decide what to think. Yes. I get to decide what to do. I don't get to decide how to feel. I wouldn't choose to feel anxious, but I can choose how to respond to the question. Yeah. I, I, I can choose my response. So I can choose my behavior. Yeah. So let's, so we hit the recognize. And that's now a let's recognition. Talk, yeah. Let's talk about their reflection because obviously. Reflect now is I want to engage my cognitive brain. So we're, I recognize we're moving, that. We're, we're moving from the amygdala, the fight or flight, into yes. more rational thinking. Yes. I'm recognizing that my emotional state is too charged for me to make a clear decision. Yeah. That recognition then says, time to reflect. The process of reflecting engages the cognitive brain. So what am I going to reflect on? Well, I'm going to reflect on, amongst other things, the things that matter to me most. In my case, uh, I, talk, I reflect on my values, yeah. family, happiness, wisdom, integrity, service, health. Now, the process of reflecting on them forces me to think about them. And then I put words in front of them. And I say, love your family, be happy, seek wisdom, behave with integrity, do something of service for somebody else today, make healthy choices. And now my brain's engaged. Now my emotional center has begun to calm down. Now I can start thinking about the big picture. Yeah. What are my goals? What do I want to have happen? Now that I've gotten a hold of myself a little bit, yeah. and then I can fade into the third R, which is maybe I should change my thinking. I can reframe. Frame. Framing is how I think about something. So let's just say I wake up one day and the markets are crashing. Let's just say that's happening. Yeah. And let's just say that scares me a little bit. And let's just say one of my responses is to call my advisor or my accountant and to say, hey, my heart is fluttering. The markets are crashing. Get me out. Get me out of the market. Get me out. Yeah. Now what I'm doing is I am responding to the emotion. I'm afraid I'm going to lose all my money. And so what I'm going to do is exit that which I fear, which is the market, thereby guaranteeing myself to lose all the money that I'm afraid to lose. Yeah. So I might want to reframe this. And if I've prepared myself for the truth, and the truth is uncertainty, then I don't have to reflexively respond. I can reflectively Reflective. respond, which takes a little more time, but is a little more rational and increases the probability of me not doing something stupid. And that's the fourth R, my response. Recognize, reflect, reframe, respond. I love it, Doug. And I'm actually writing one of the chapters in my book on investment advisory. And I took out one of the quotes from the program 
where it said that saving and investing uh, accounts for 87% of portfolio growth. The other 13% is due to market timing and asset allocation. And it got me thinking, and, and we in the wealth management profession talk about all the time, we're not going to beat the stock market. And so, but many people outside looking in see financial advisors, wealth managers, people who work for a family office as people who pick stocks. <laughs> and so that's the perception of those out there. And what I'm communicating to those in our audience, uh, those who hopefully read my book is we're really planning for the uncertainty that the certainty that is uncertainty in what I got from your book and helping people uh, have an estate plan, making sure they have insurance and yes. making sure that they're making uh, you know the proper decisions by using something like the four R's. So I'd like to explore that, you know, of really we're not, it's not about investments. That's the last thing that we should talk about. Right. It's about securing uh, and making sure uh, that we provide for our family in case of any unforeseen circumstances and then provide them a plan uh, for your future and have them meet their goals and aspirations uh, that they really want out right. of life. Well, you said it really well. You know, I, you reminded me, as you said that, of something uh, Morgan Housel said recently, uh, you know, he, and he says, uh, too many people check their portfolio every day when they should be checking their blood pressure. <laughs> and, and so... <laughs> And oddly enough, and this is this is actually true, I check my blood pressure every day and I almost never check my portfolio. <laughs> and the reason I don't check my portfolio is because I am prepared for whatever can happen today. So it doesn't matter. I don't care what my, I mean, I care a little right. bit, but not enough to look it up. I, you know, I, mean, <laughs> I would have to, I'd have to do something to see what my portfolio is. And I don't care that much. Yeah. What I can't be. And the reason I don't care is I have prepared myself. And this is what I encourage your listeners to do. And those who study behavioral financial advice to do is to prepare yourself. And if you're yeah. an advisor, prepare your clients for the truth. Yeah. And the truth is uncertainty. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know what could. And I'm going to get ready for that. So, for example, here's one thing that could happen. In fact, I'm pretty sure it will. I could die. Now, I have a business partner who is a, refers to himself as a recovering actuary. <laughs> he actually says, I will die. Yeah. Now, I might not. You know, most people are holding out hope. I know you're going to die, right? And you know I'm going to die. But behaviorally, we're holding out hope for ourselves. I might live. But no, I will die. Yeah. I just don't know when. So what I'm going to get ready for, first and foremost, is dying whenever that is. Yeah. And then I'm going to get ready for being alive because I'm alive right now. And while I'm alive, I'm either going to be healthy like I am right now, or I'm not. And I'm going to get ready right. for those two things. Right. And if I'm healthy or I'm not, the economy and the markets are going to be good or bad. Yeah. And I'm going to be ready for those things. It's very simple, profoundly simple. They're simple, complex, profoundly simple. 
And here's my question always to my advisor, who I ultimately, by the way, hired and trained back in the early 1980s. <laughs> and but I still have an advisor. Yeah. And 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 I and a lot of his advice, some of his most important advice for which I gladly pay him for is don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Okay. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Based upon your values and your goals, don't do that. Yeah. Oh, okay. How much do I owe you? Because <laughs> doing that would have been a dumb idea. Yeah. And I and and so I really want people to understand the game is always about behavior. If you want to understand your current condition, look into your past behavior. If you would like to predict your future, look into your present behavior. And if you'd like your future to look different, change the behavior. Yeah. And what I find is this, people who know that no matter what happens, they, they and or their family can put their hands on a smart place to get money, they feel a lot less stress. A lot less stress. And and that's the the wisdom that comes from behavioral financial advice. Yeah. We prepare people for the truth. The truth is uncertainty. Yeah. If you ask me what's going to happen with the market, if pressed, I will tell you I personally believe it's going to fluctuate. <laughs> I think I think we're going to see some ups and some downs, Rory. <laughs> now I could be wrong. I might be wrong, but I think that's what's going to happen. You can quote me. A year from now, if the market hasn't moved, you say, Doug, you are totally wrong. <laughs> the market went up and down all year long. Huh? How funny is that? Well, that's what I want you to be ready for. The truth. The truth is the market's going to go up and down. The truth is you're going to be sick or you're not. The truth is you're going to need care or you won't. The truth is you'll be alive or you'll be dead. Those are the truths. Yes. And let's get ready financially get for ready. that. It'll reduce your stress. Yeah. Having that plan. And I go back to this, Doug, and I've talked to a number of different behavioral finance people on the podcast and uh, our audience members, mainly accountants and CPAs out there. I believe they're uniquely positioned to uh, provide this advice. They just need some how to's uh, to enable them to provide more value and, and, dive in deeper to uh, the client's lives. And because many people who have a financial advisor, they either have wealth or they have high income or they're high income earners. And that usually happens later in life. I think we need to train obviously our children and then those business owners, the gig economy, many people starting and in, in forming their own businesses and, and growing those businesses. These principles need to happen earlier on and I had Dr. Daniel Crosby on the podcast. He talked about the three E's of behavior change. He talked about education. Education alone won't, won't change someone's behavior. 12% of people smoke, 13% of doctors, 24% of nurses. You need to have that encouragement. You need to have that environment, so setting the right environment, and then having that encouragement. So I believe those accounting professionals out there uh, are in a unique position to be able to encourage those clients um, with these principles to be able to think about money differently their own money scripts, their own many messages, and how those affect their decisions uh, in life. I, just, like, I know I went off yeah. on a tangent here. Doug. No, I love that I love tangent. To get your thoughts and by on the that. way, 
you know, Crosby does great work. I, you know, I, I just talked to him recently. We're, we're planning to get together here in the next couple of weeks uh, and kind of kick the conversation around yeah. a little bit uh, because both of us are interested in the practical application of the theory. Yeah. I've been, I've devoted my life to the practical application of behavioral finance. There are a lot of theorists out there and, 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 but it's actually, okay, so what, what, what can I do with it? And, and one of the things that we can do with it is we really, as you were saying, and I love the work you're doing on return on relationship. relationship. Mm -hmm. If you get in touch with the human inside of that taxpayer, because that yeah. taxpayer, it looks like a taxpayer. There's a human in there. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, right. it's a funny little it's not, thing. They're not just a 1040 or, <laughs> yeah, or you K1. Look, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you look like a tax return. Oh, there's yeah. a person in there. <laughs> yeah. And and if you take the time to get to know what the person really cares about, yes. they already trust you. Yes. As accountants, you are one of the reasons I wanted to be an accountant is I wanted to be in a trusted profession. And I joined a profession that wasn't trusted, mm -hmm. but I brought the concept of trust with it. Yeah. And so you already been given this trust. The, the public trusts you. They trust your designation. They trust CPA. People trust designations. People are beginning to trust BFA, right. Behavioral Financial Advisor. I need one of them. I need a CPA. I need a CFP. And I could be all of them. I could be a CPA, a CFP, and a BFA. I or can I be can all bring those, in those Or I can bring those to the table. Exactly. And, and, and as a trusted advisor, I encourage everyone listening to us today to see yourself as a resource when appropriate and a resource broker yeah. when you aren't the resource appropriate. So just as I bring accountants in, accountants who don't have the expertise themselves should bring that to their team and to their clients. Everybody should make this a two-sided coin. One side is technical and fundamental. That's where your CPA, your CFP, uh, your CFA, that's on that side of the coin. The other side of the coin is behavioral. And you have to play both sides of the coin yeah. to create a superior, optimal experience for the client. I couldn't agree more, Todd. <laughs> That's right. why I'm, I'm seeing this from the mountaintops. And look, I think it's so rewarding. I, I, we, I, I talked to you and you just uh, reiterate what I, what I say about return on relationship. And I think many people, when they think of behavioral finance or therapists, they're so scared about having to think like a therapist or trying to communicate the more softer side or the emotional side. But look, it's just having a, like a conversation like we're having now. And it happens many times at a dinner table, right? Or in a living room. And you're just understanding someone's life story. And that's where it becomes so much 
more rewarding because you can use your knowledge of finances, right? That's just the vehicle we're using to help transform and change people's lives. Money is like gravity in this sense. And it is a store of value. It's a way uh, in which people um, interact and it, and, it sh- and it has a level of worth. But I, I, I want to get back to the point where like we are uniquely in a spot where we can help people um, make better decisions, but really uncover what means most to them. And I think this goes back to the values-based exercise and how powerful that is when you can really uncover somebody's values and not just having a goal of retiring with $2 million. Why you recover? Why? Why? Why, why do you want yes. to recover, uh, retire with $2 million? That, yeah, because, because family, it's not or, the you $2 know. Million. The number right. isn't the what the $2 million does for somebody. Yeah. Why, why do you want whatever you want? Why do you yeah. want to do that? You know, and it's one of the things I envy about Simon Sinek. He thought of the name of that title before I did. Start <laughs> with why. But if you start with why, you win. Uh, a lot of people start with what and how, and they don't have right. a compelling why. And the why is more powerful than the what and the how. I'll give you an example. My father, who is now deceased, found out late in his life, he, he was giving up on life. Mm-hmm. My mother had died as a result of a car accident that they were in together. My dad was the driver. He survived that accident and lived on, ultimately was in an assisted living facility, which his brilliant financial services son had not prepared him for because it was too emotional. Yeah. I just didn't, I, it was too, I was too scared to talk to him about the truth. Yeah. So, so we don't want to talk about the truth, Doug. Okay. Let's pretend it doesn't exist. So we pretended it didn't exist. He lived in an assisted living facility. And because we hadn't prepared for the truth, he had to use his own assets to pay for that assisted living facility. His smart ass uh, financial advisor didn't didn't confront him, didn't have the courage. We talk about courage. I was afraid, absent my fear, you know, I did, wouldn't have needed the courage. Yeah. But I was afraid to talk to him about things like that. You don't talk to things like that to your dad. He doesn't want to. And so I didn't. And so he wasn't ready. Nor was he ready for my mother dying as the result of the car accident. He wasn't ready for either of those. Uh, they weren't ready financially, they weren't ready emotionally, they weren't ready for anything. And that was my fault. I own that. Yeah. And so now I say, hey, let's get ready. I want my kids ready. I want everybody ready. Let's all be ready for the truth. Yeah. And, and, and so that's really critical. And what your accountants out here have the opportunity to do is really understand why people care about what matters to them. Because myself, I'll, I'll give use me again as an example. Mm-hmm. I value family, happiness, wisdom, integrity, service, and health. And, and following the, um, not following, during the crash of 07, 08, my wife and I, I w- we were on business and personal uh, to Europe. We were, I, I remember I had a speaking engagement in Bonn, Germany, 
and um, and we ended up taking the train to Paris, and we we were in Paris, and I remember waking up one day, and the markets had crashed, and the dollar was going up in value, and um, and um, and I was like, wow. And my wife wakes up and I said, I got some good news and some bad news, Beth Ann. She says, oh, what's the news? I said, let me lead with the good news. She said, what's the good news? I said, the good news is our dollar is worth a lot more today than it was yesterday. She said, terrific, we're in Paris. I said, exactly. She said, what's the bad news? The bad news is we have a lot fewer dollars. And so I called my advisor, not knowing, I figured I'm gonna get through this, no big deal, we're fine. But I thought, just in case, just in case, I'm gonna go ahead and increase my death benefit. So I called my financial advisor and I, I'm not 100% sure, I think this was the number, I said, I'd like to increase my death benefit by $3 million. Why? Because I value family. I thought about family, wisdom, health. Those three values blinked. Yeah. Health is fragile. My, my, my mother died as a result of a car accident. My father is living in an assisted living facility right now. Health is fragile. I care about my family. I don't want them to have to worry about anything. I think it would be wise to have more insurance. Yeah. And so I called my advisor. I didn't have a goal to die sooner. I actually wanted to live and here I am. Still alive, <laughs> still alive. Still alive. <laughs> but when I called my advisor and said, I'd like to buy more life insurance, you know what he said? What do you say? Okay. He was okay. What I'm telling your, your accountants, and by the way, my advisor had originally given me the idea of life insurance as wealth replacement. Yeah. But I hadn't thought of it really until my wealth went down yeah. by more than $3 million, but nonetheless. <laughs> but it came back up. <laughs> it came back up. Don't cry for me. I'm okay. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, but the point is, I was ready. I was ready for that to have happened. But, you know, so, so I, I mean, literally, I lost not one minute of sleep. Yeah. I mean, and here's, here's what we talk about. It's miserable uh, to be scared. And, and what's happening to a lot of your, your accountants, clients as they age, is is a couple of things become true. I'm getting older and I begin to recognize my financial runway is getting shorter. Mm. And so what begins to happen to a number of people as they age is their financial stress actually begins to rise. rise. I, I think of that as the beginning of misery and M, <laughs> my, my financial stress begins to rise. And while my stress rises, my ability to handle things emotionally goes down. Yeah. So uh, 
my emotional competence goes down. And then as my emotional competence goes down, irrational decision making and behavior goes up. goes up. And as that happens, my financial health, my physical health, my emotional health, and even my happiness itself all suffer. Yeah, they're all interconnected. They're all interconnected. And, and the solution is preparing for the truth. Yeah. And that reduces the stress. We flip the M to a W and we go from misery, misery. to wisdom. <laughs> Financial it. stress now falls. Yeah. One's ability to handle things emotionally goes up. Our irrational decision making and behavior falls. Our physical health, emotional well being, financial health, and happiness all improve. And that's why. When Ryan Goulart and I wrote the book, Leveraging Your Financial Intelligence, why we subtitled it at the intersection of money, health, and happiness. Yeah. They do come together. And the accountant is in a wonderful position to help people improve their happiness by improving their return on relationships. I love Doug, I love it. <laughs> you can come work for advisor. But <laughs> it's it's back to that mindfulness and this is why it's so powerful and if you can uh, utilize something like the 4 Rs when you're having those maybe negative emotions come up, you can, you're better, you know, suited to start uh having a more happier fulfilling life because I I say this, these digital devices Where's my digital device? These digital devices are like having a town crier that would come to your town once a month and say, the king ordains this, right? Uh, we used to have that. And then we had the, the printing press and it happened every morning. And then we had nightly news and that would happen, you know, where Walter Cronkite would happen for, for an hour every night. And then we have cable news where it happened for six or seven hours. And now we have these digital devices that are a constant reminder that town crier, uh, if, it, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Talking about, you know, you know catastrophic things happening in the world. And many times it has to do with the economy uh, and, and our money. So right. having techniques like this can be invaluable into, you know, having happiness. Well, and you've got all kinds of shows that are out there designed to scare the hell out of you. Yeah. So if you want to turn on uh, Jim Cramer or... You know, he's, he's, he'll be frantic, his tie will be flying. Ah. He's like, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and, and you know, he's got more viewers than I got. I know. <laughs> we should have yeah. had that closed circuit TV you're talking about before the, the recording. <laughs> that could have been, you could have yeah. been Jim Kramer, a healthier, happier Jim Kramer. Yeah, exactly. And um, Susie Orman, there, there's a, Susie Orman's another one, yeah. you know, but they're, the guidance they give is not, always as sound as it could be if it were grounded in what really matters to people. Yes. But until you ask people what really matters, you are only guessing. And to assume that what matters to you is what matters to them is, is <laughs> okay, but not good enough. It's the golden rule. Right. We need the My, platinum rule. Platinum rule is better. And I know you know it. Yeah. Treat others the way they want to be treated. It works better. Works yeah. better with your family too, by the way. Yeah. 
I'm a big fan of Mark Golston, the author of Just Listen and Real Influence. And he talks about getting to somebody's there, there uh, and helping them get to where they want to be in life. And that's why I love behavioral finance and, and financial planning and, and taxes and accounting out there. Uh, people who are, they, they, you know, accountants, CPAs, they are, are, are the, they are the ones that guide these small and medium-sized businesses that are the backbone uh, my of our country. is critical to my life. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I I love my accountant, Jack Hughes. If you're a watcher of this program, thank you very much. So Jack, yes. I, I trust him implicitly. He yeah. is as honest as the day is long. His advice to me is always exceptional. And I use a team. I have a, an attorney. I have a financial advisor. I have an accountant. And I'm not that dumb myself. <laughs> That's what do we call a virtual family office. That was what we're doing here, Doug. <laughs> yeah. We should sell each other's programs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Doug, this has been uh, very rewarding. I want to thank you so much. Actually, let me ask you this. Do you have anything else that you would like to share with our audience? I, I really would say this. Um, you know, my most recent book is called Don't Wait for Someone Else to Fix It. And I really encourage, well, I would say I encourage you to buy the book, <laughs> but I actually encourage you to take that to heart. Don't wait for someone else to fix it. Tomorrow is your enemy. Because tomorrow you're going to wake up and it'll look a lot like today. When I woke up today, I did not say to myself, ah, this is what tomorrow feels like. <laughs> I woke up today and it felt just like today. <laughs> and, and what a lot of people are doing in positions like yours, successful people, is they see good ideas and they think, you know, I'm doing okay. I don't need to do that. But tomorrow I might do that. Tomorrow's your enemy. So all I would encourage you to do is practice the freeze game today. If you practice the freeze game today, it will change your life tomorrow. If you wait till tomorrow, tomorrow will look like today. I love it. And I uh, can attest to it. It's helped change my life, Doug. Um, so I appreciate all the work you do. Uh, if someone wants to get in contact with Doug Lennick, or think to perform, what's the best way to do something? I'll give you two things. One is text me. You can, I'll give you my cell phone number. Text me, 612-747-0004. If that's too scary, send me an email. Um, my email address is dlenick, and those all small caps, at think, the word think, to the number two perform.com awesome. dlenick at think to perform.com. All right. Well, I have your number now. I'm going to text you, Doug. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Awesome. That's how, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the business of trying to help people. And if I can help reach out. I love it. All right. Thank you so much. I'll put all the information in the show notes, Doug, we're going to have you again here on the show in the future. I hope so. I hope I've qualified to you get did. asked back. You're getting asked back. I'm, I'm <laughs> telling you now. All right. Thanks, Doug.
Thank you. All opinions expressed by Rob Santos and Rory Henry on this website podcast interview are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Arrowroot Family Office LLC or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by anyone as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. Past performance is not indicative of future results.